Before the Rings of Power, there were the Silmarils. Before Sauron, there was his master Morgoth. Before Aragorn and Arwen, there was Beren and Luthien. Join us as we explore Tolkien and all the ages of Middle-earth with your hosts from TheOneRing.com, Jonathan Watson, Michael Grumbine, and Dan Coates. All right, everybody. So let me apologize for the last few weeks where we haven't been talking about the Silmarillion. So this week we are (laughs) unforgivable. It is completely, you know, we will hang our heads in shame and uh, go pay penance to the, I don't know, whatever. So we are finally back at the Silmarillion, the last full chapter in the book of the Rings of Power in the Third Age. And and this week we're going to go through the first about, well, in my copy of the first 10 pages or so, right up until... What is it? Right up to the, the point at which they start talking about the third age, right? It put the, the, the end of the, you know, where, 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 where Narsal is broken, the ring is cut off Sauron's hand, and uh, where that thus, thus begins the third age. So we're going to go to that point. So first there was this little opening about the age before the first age, all the ages before the first age. That was a small number of pages. Then we've been for hundreds of pages talking about the first age. And now in one episode, we're going to cover all the second age. I know, right? From, from the from the end well, of the... Uh, well, I mean, we did for the Calabeth. That was a second age, too. Okay, fair enough. But second fair age Middle-earth, yeah, we got yep. 10 pages of it, essentially. And that's it. Yep. It's kind of like but, we're back into the, the, the Annalindale or something. Exactly. Cause I, and I say that because we're drawn back to the beginning of... To the end of the battle. We're drawn back to the beginning of the second age in the yeah. first two paragraphs of this chapter. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so we're going to jump into that. Uh, uh, we're also going to have our, of course, our extended podcast for all of our wonderful members, of which you can become one. Our podcast is about 20 minutes, 30 minutes longer uh, each time. Uh, we also have our Discord chat, which is a lot of fun. We've got a few new people in there this week. Uh, we've been asking questions of the interviewees that we've been we've, we've been having lately as long as their internet works that was a thing <laughs> but we'll prove that yeah so become a member it's four dollars a month first month is free so you can check it out without you know without worrying about anything and and you know i mean the conversations are great and we're doing a book club again tomorrow night tomorrow night which is actually this last it'll be the last thursday night after this goes live in the past yeah in so, the past so we're reading so for those of you that are that are like oh i want to join the book club too late yeah well just catch up we're only 100 pages in you can do that in a night if you really right. hunker down uh and uh yeah join 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 us there and we're also going to be doing our live stream the fr- the next friday so on friday june 16th Seven, eight, nine. Yeah, June sixteenth, we'll be doing our next live stream, nine p.m. Eastern. As long as I get my time right this time, because I was all screwed up last time. Uh, but yeah, go to thewonder.com/slash/member to join, and you can see everything, how all the sausages are made. Well, apparently for these li- these live streams with, with lots of podcasters, it's kind of a thing to be late. Oh, they all is it? they all they all seem to start oh, late. Yeah. Okay, good. Then I'll be more late next time. No, I won't that care wasn't as much. what I meant. Oh, no. <laughs> so you're not saying the more late I am, the better this live stream goes? No. Oh. no, no, wrong lines. You hmm. did not read between the lines. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so hey, let's just jump right in to of the Rings of Power and the Third Age, um, where we start uh, right right at the beginning of the Second Age, and I mean, 
And I love how Tolkien even says, in which these tales come to their end. I'm like, oh, when I, when I got to that the first time, I was like, oh, no, it's coming. It's, it's over. It's truly it, over. The, the entire history of Middle-earth is over after this. Did you get a member Barry's feeling like when you were finishing The Return of the King? It's like, oh, no, it's all coming to an end again. Yeah, it all felt like it. No, I'm so, yeah. And this is the segment in which our dear listeners will hear a thing never heard before. Um, I'm not, not that I, not just that I'm usurping Dan's big thought, or maybe I'm not, maybe there's a big thought coming afterwards that I don't know about. Wait, 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 you're right. You're right. This is now Michael's big thought. So we have to throw this in somehow. Dan's big thought. For Michael. Hold on now, Dan. Record scratch. (laughs) Michael's big thought. This time it's Michael's big thought because Michael is going to do a thing never before done on this podcast. Michael is going to defend the rings of power mm-hmm. and not just not just the rings of power but the writing not just a random moment that michael's like that was kind of cool which happened a few times over the eight hours mm-hmm. but of rings of power mm-hmm. but a an actual plot thread in fact one of the structural plot threads so michael's going to defend it and to defend it i michael is going to start as one always should in these discussions with the text itself so let's read from the silmarillion Yes, I know Amazon didn't have rights to the Silmarillion, but we also know that they, that at least some of them did, um, had read the Silmarillion before. At least I hope so. All right, here, here, and here's the quote. And it's a bit long. It's a, it's a little bit of a paragraph, but we, we have to understand it. When Thangoradrim was broken and Morgoth overthrown, Sauron put on his fair hue again and did obeisance to Aonwe, the herald of Manwe and abjured all his evil deeds. And some hold that this was not at first falsely done, but that Sauron in truth repented, if only out of fear, being dismayed by the fall of Morgoth and the great wrath of the lords of the West. But it was not within the power of Eonwe to pardon those of his own order. Stop there a second. His own order means the Maiar. So Eonwe is a Maiar, and and so is Sauron. And he commanded Sauron to return to Amon and there receive the judgment of Manwe. Then Sauron was ashamed, and he was unwilling to return in humiliation and to receive from the Valar a sentence. It might be of long servitude and proof of his good faith, for under Morgoth his power had been great. Therefore, when Aonwe departed, he hid himself in Middle-earth, and he fell back into evil, for the bonds that Morgoth had laid upon him were very strong. All right. So here's my defense. Mm-hmm. If, if I was a writer and I was to, um, we were deciding in a writer's room to how to portray Sauron at first in the rings of power. I'm looking at this sentence. Sauron put on his fair hue again and did obeisance to Yanwe. So the idea that Sauron would not look like a towering evil, but look fair is believable. Then, then furthermore, that he actually repented and that he was told to appear before the Valar to um, be to re- to receive the judgment. Now, we know as well from the book, not just from Rings of Power, that the way to Amon to to the Valar to to back to Amon is on a ship traveling to the West. So he would have had to do that in order to gain repentance. So one way to take this and then and spin it, you could have a fair looking Sauron and he could be on a ship on his way to the West, looking and then decide at the last moment or somewhere along the way that he could, it wasn't in him and he could not, um, um, in his shame, he could not submit himself in the humiliation and therefore decide to return to Middle-earth. 
And so you could see, and, and now under this reading, he would be probably part of the cause of the destruction of his ship, or he would flee, try to flee on a boat and, or something like that. But you could actually, it is actually believable that a fair-looking Sauron could be heading on a boat west, into the west, following the end of the first age. Now, this is not defensible according to um, the Sauron uh, with the works found in his in the north, but you could say that happened during the first age, and and you know the, I'm talking about the ice castle and the troll and on uh, all the altar they found and all that stuff that they made up. So, but the the a fair looking Sauron, a Halbro, as we lovingly refer to him during our during our <laughs> reviews, could in fact be Sauron. It's it's not unbelievable, and he could have been on a boat heading to the west, mm. um, following his his obeisance to Aeonwe. So there you go. The Rings of Power mm. writing in that one plot point. Now, there's another plot point that goes along with it, which is the, the um, forgive my language, the dumbass love affair between um, <laughs> Galadriel and, and Sauron. That's not defensible. Oh, That's man. ridiculous. Yes. And we will talk more about that in our, in, our, in our subscriber section for those of you that want to hear about why that relationship between Galadriel mm. and Sauron is, is, is a, a thing that cannot be borne um, by Tolkien fans. But... Yeah. In this one point about Halbro being Sauron and about him being found on a boat out in the Western Seas, actually defensible. There we go. Tear it wow. down, sirs. So Michael Grumbine likes the Rings of Power. <laughs> That's what I got from that. So yeah. I'm glad we're finishing this Silmarillion because you're not invited back. <laughs> Man. So under under that reading, you would say that perhaps Sauron called that that monster, that sea monster, to destroy the boat, to to keep it from making its the end of its journey. Could be, could be. Also, the sea monster. Since I'm just playing along with this, I'm just going to go with it to the hill. The sea monster could have been actually Ase or or um, uh, Olmo um, after he. He fl- he decides against oh. repentance and he tries to flee back, coming to, s- to send a monster of the deep to destroy it, destroy the boat as part of the a, a kind of final move in the battle um, that just you know in other words to to uh, complete the punishment due to all the servants of Morgoth. So it could be that, or it could be a rando, as 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 we um, former uh, Dungeons and Dragons players might say, a random encounter could have been that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, mm-hmm. there's a lot <laughs> so of there's, there's, there's a lot of could be's and it might have uh, in this entire defense of the rings of power uh that'd be like me finding i don't know a really good looking peanut butter and jelly sandwich on the counter and i and i see my six-year-old kid there and i'm like it could be that he made that one but i know better that he didn't actually make that that it's not spread all over the table and there's messes everywhere it's actually my wife who did that so mm. i don't know the whole the whole idea that you're throwing out <clears throat> i mean sure it could be but also the timeline if we held to the timeline the timeline is way off because at this point it's somewhere in the middle of the second age right numenor is well established there's no chance that at this point in tolkien's timeline that sauron was still a good guy um this late in the second age and Chronology, somology. Sauron would know that he can't take just any boat into the the uh, to take the straight path to Valinor. It's not possible, right? And plus, he's a Maiar. If he would really truly repented, he would be able to contact who he needed to contact in order to get to to Valinor in whatever way is possible. Whether it's Gilgalad, whether it's Círdan, right? Whether it's Aonwë again. Uh, so the whole idea that he's he's on some boat, which of course 
here's the other thing is like it could have been done but the execution in the rings of power was so clumsy and ill thought that it didn't matter if the story was great it was so poorly executed that i couldn't take it seriously like they never explained any if they would have tried to at least explain a little bit about why he was on a boat in the middle of an ocean away from everybody else uh that would have made more sense if he was maybe if they would have said like even at that point right he was following galadriel and he knew she was he was going to be out there and so he was the boat that he was on was secretly trailing all of the elven ships because they wanted to get there, right? They could have done something with what the men were trying to do to get to Valinor. Some of the, you know, people from, from Numenor who uh, desired to see the Undying Lands. And he was uh, hitching a ride and trying to push them there and following Galadriel because they wanted to go there too. Something like that. But they didn't even try. They don't explain right. anything. No. Just assume. And so I, that I part's that's that's very true. And I can't defend anything past it. I, <laughs> I my my tolerance for defense of Rings of Power has ended five minutes ago. So I'm I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to I won't continue. But I but I do I do think it is interesting so, that there's this fair. I had forgotten about that. That there was a period of time when Sauron appeared fair again and. Yeah probably repented at least out of fear as it says um mm. and uh and and was was given the opportunity to return to valinor mm. yeah i mean if they do they they dive into this they dive into those three sentences so deeply that it it defines the entire show uh and then of course like you mentioned is is they take his fair appearance and it means that he and galadriel were going to be an item uh and to well that's make... 21st century americanism where we think we think that everyone look oh look they both look like supermodels therefore they're hot for each other <laughs> so yeah that's yeah just i i mean i i can see that and they i mean they also dive into the whole idea all right because um uh hobbits are mentioned in this chapter here that they, they were like okay we're gonna throw halflings back into it mm. um mm. and they they take specific sentences and they they amplify them to such a degree that it's it, it it doesn't resemble what it originally meant anyway uh and in this it's sort of you know it's um it's the instant regret regret um a child has after like a, an evil child has after after hurting somebody like oh i didn't mean to do that and like ah whatever i'm fine it's it's that that moment of like oh wow that was really bad but their mm -hmm. human nature takes over and they don't care in the end anyway because it's all about me it's like well he told me that he didn't love me anymore and so i pushed him as hard as I could and he fell down the stairs and cracked his head open but it's it's his fault not mine right yeah. it's that regret but then they come back to defending themselves that's what i think sauron had yeah anything else yeah i was disciplining my daughter the other day we were at the shopping mall and she wanted some candy so we're in the process of buying the candy and i turn around and her cheeks are all you know, I'm like, what's in your mouth? And she had, she <laughs> had taken like, candy and shoved cheeks? candy. Yeah. Oh, my God. And uh, and so uh, she stole from the store. And so I had to Ooh, discipline her. That's a. But so then afterwards, it was like she was telling me, yeah, now I feel bad. And I go, well, that's good. You should should feel bad. And she goes, yeah, I feel bad that you're not giving me any candy. Ooh, wow. <laughs> but remember. So that's, that's the five-year-old response to being caught and being punished. If, you know? if we could all be as angelic as those wonderful children. <laughs> like, just go back to the innocence of children. Sure. Says, um, says nobody who has lots of yeah, children. Yeah, I, I, I didn't teach or her that. I, I could tell you. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the basest form of mankind comes out in the five-year-old who wants candy. It is yeah. funny that their the children are like this this 
extreme of, you know, they're, they do have an innocence and they do have this, this need to be utterly protected. And they're, they're in one sense, the most precious part of human, the human society. And then in another sense, they're totally debased. And totally. Any, any adult yeah. acted like a two-year-old, we would lock mm-hmm. them up and, or, well, in and, either in a sane asylum or, or in solitary. And, I mean, and isn't that like, when you think about like the worst parts of us, it's the parts that are self-centered and power hungry meaning that it's all about me and it's all about what I want and to hell with whatever anybody else wants. And, and the worst people in the world, that's essentially, they're, they're a child taken to the worst possible degree, like Sauron, right? He, he had a taste of power under Morgoth and now he just wants it back. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. Like everybody else is the problem. You're not, you're not worshiping me. That's not my fault. That's your fault, right? And so, uh, <laughs> that's right. Uh, yeah, they, they take that, that, that base nature of childhood and, and they never learn that, you know, they should have been singing with the others rather than breaking the melody. Hmm. Yeah. Ah, good point. Yeah. I like it. Um, okay. Well, let's move on from the Rings of Power because what Tolkien wrote is, is much better anyway. So thankfully, he then does only four paragraphs or five or six throughout the whole book, but of exposition of geography, unlike the previous age in which we got a whole chapter of Balerion. Uh, so we, got, we get an exposition of the realms, essentially, of the elves, in, in the new Middle Earth, because he tells us, um, and I quote, in the great battle and the tumults of the fall of Thangordrim, there were mighty convulsions in the earth and Balerion was broken and laid waste and northward and westwards, many lands sank beneath the waters of the great sea. So basically what used to be a far inland range of mountains, the arid Luin, um, becomes now the coastal mountains. So everything else gets sunk under the ocean. We've thrown up the map before of Balerion under the waves um, So and the New Age. But all the maps of Middle-earth that we um, are used to, and in fact is even the background of our podcast, are now, now we finally come to the maps that we're all familiar with. Only in my edition, 295 pages into the Silmarillion. Now we finally have um, yeah. Middle Earth as everyone is used to seeing it. Um, and he get, makes a quick uh, tour through Middle Earth, specifically the kingdoms of the elves and the men. Um, namely, the, the he talks about the, or I know we're going to go into some details, but he talks about the rise of Sauron and the, and the creation of the Rings of Power, which we're going to talk about. But then he eventually then also gives us a little exposition on the geography of the Dunedain, of the men of Numenor who survive the cataclysm and come to Middle-earth and establish kingdoms. So we do get some geography interspersed in this, but uh, at a very reasonable level to my mind. How did yeah. you find it, Dan? Since it's your, this was your first read through. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting. Um, it, it it definitely fills in all the gaps when you when you just read Lord of the Rings, you kind of have all these gaps in your understanding of like you kind of know that there was a northern kingdom, but you don't know it's really its connection to Gondor or or you know why it's in ruins now and Gondor's still there. Um, it kind of it kind of sets up the chessboard, I guess, the way the way the Cimmerillion kind of set up the chessboard over and over again for the first age. Mm-hmm, where it's like, right. here's here's all the elf kingdoms. Here's the men come from the east. And now the, the men and the elves are living together and it kind of sets everything up. And then you have all these big battles that happen. Um, this chapter, the, the, at least the first 10 pages, it really sets up through the second age why the map looks the way it does. Uh, where the kingdoms were, why these big towers were built. You know, you have Barad-dûr and Minas Ithil and Minas Arnor. Um, so you kind of understand the Numenorians came here, and and this is why these kingdoms are the way they are. 
Um, so I think it did a really good job. It also sets up, you know, Sauron, his plan. He, he's trying to deceive everybody. And it's, it's really interesting that he has the same criticism that, that you did of, of the Valar, uh, Michael, uh, that, that, Hey, the Valar, they, they're not doing anything. Uh, Middle Earth is in ruins, and and the Valar they're just they're just hanging out, not doing anything. He's and so it's I think Tolkien's word is in the pride of his heart. He thinks like, hey, I'm Sauron. I I can fix this. I I can make this the way it should be. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was a really interesting motivation for for a bad guy. He's like, I just want order. I want things to be the way they're supposed to be. Oh, I also want other everyone else to bow down and worship me, but. Right you know, I, I, I can fix this and I can make it the way it should be. Right. Exactly. They're, they're, uh, <laughs> what is it? What does it say? Um, a mask he could, this is Sauron could wear so that if he wished, he might deceive the eyes of men seeming to them wise and fair, but he ruled rather by force and fear if they might avail. And those who perceived his shadow spreading over the world called him the dark Lord and named him the enemy. So yeah, it's it. It's he. He could even he could even draw people by wisdom and, f- and appearing fair, but he chose fear. He chose yeah. force, um, and so and and that's what the the. Um, the I mean, in, in that way, he's just he's reflecting again Morgoth. Although he takes a more direct hand, he doesn't he doesn't never leave his citadel once he establishes it. He's um, he's a little more active than Morgoth is in that mm-hmm. regard. So, but before that all happens, there is, in fact, the title of this chapter and the title of the Amazon series, The Forging <laughs> of the Rings of Power. So, so these rings of power. Surprised I was to notice this time that actually, upon a careful read, the elves made all of them except one. 18 of the 19 rings of power were made by the elves, not by Sauron. I had originally thought Sauron made the nine, and I don't know why I thought that. Maybe maybe it's in an unfinished tale somewhere or something. But anyway, I'll just blame my bad memory on it. But it turned it's from this text anyway, in this in this in these um, final version of the notes that uh, Christopher Tolkien per- publishes of his father's work. It is the elves that make all of the rings of power, except um, mm-hmm. except except for the one, and then Sauron takes the other eighteen. Well, right. fifteen of the eighteen. Yeah, he, he loses two of them. Three, two, well, yes, but uh, and some of the uh, dwarven rings were lost. I think too. I think he only got yeah, yeah. But three he, of those. he but he takes fifteen oh, by force to, to, to and then hands them out. Yes, right, and hands them out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So and this is, I mean, to go back, this is your defense of the rings of power in the beginning. Right here, it says that the three wings were made last. The three elven rings were made last. And what happens in the rings of power? The clear and obvious thing is to make those last. But no, they make them first. Yeah. And uh, now we wonder, like, well, how does Sauron influence the other 15 rings that are necessary, uh, 16 rings that are necessary to be made? Well, well, the answer is he doesn't. The rings of power have written themselves into a corner because because they can't. He can't like they know it's Sauron now. So so obviously no elf is going to make the other. um, And I said 18 of 19. I meant 19 of 20. uh, No other elf is no elves are going to make the other 16 rings that are necessary Um, that Sauron later on steals by force in the war with the elves of Eregion. Um, so, so that's all, it's all a total mess and mishmash because the whole point, and we're going to talk more about this too, but I'm going to read a quote about the elves of Eregion. Um, actually, I'm going to read two things. Eregion, um, only in Eregion, which men call Holland, 
did elves of Noldoran race establish a lasting realm beyond the Eridluene? So the only place that the Noldor settled in this new land, because the Noldor were all over the place in Valerian, as we have covered. But the only place they settled here is in Eregion, the land of the um, Ringsmith. And I'm, now I'm sk skipping a bunch of paragraphs, and I'm going to read. It was in Eregion that the councils of Sauron were most gladly received, for in la that land the Noldor desired ever to increase the skill and subtlety of their works. So this is Sauron when he's under the guise of Anatar. They don't know it's Sauron. Um, and um, Gilgalad Gil and, uh, and Elrond won't let him into the kingdom of Linden, but mm -hmm. he is accepted by Celebrimbor and his people into the, and the other Noldor, the Noldor in Aregion, and, um, and influences all their work in the creation. And they made many rings, not just mm -hmm. the 16 that were eventually taken. Those were just well, the greatest. He didn't influence them. He coaxed them. Right. <laughs> Dan, you got it. Good job. All right. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. It's so easy, man. Every time. Yeah. Okay. And, and coaxing means like letting go and letting it Gently. drop into the yeah, yeah. gravity, just which acts exactly the same no matter where you throw it. <laughs> now the thunder in the background um, is South Carolina thunderstorm. No, so apologize. Right. Oh, wow. I can't really hear him. Good. Okay. So the right. So Sauron, right? That, so so you, we left off at you, you were mentioning that the the uh, uh, Celebrimbor agreed to let Anatar essentially help him. Anatar, the the name of Sauron, to take taking on a falsely fair form, um, even though Gilgalad they, they wouldn't even let him into the realm. They're like, no, no, no. There's something creepy about you. You've got those weird new Apple Vision eyes that aren't quite right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you got to imagine, like, what do they think? You know, these are this is Gilgalad and Elrond. These are two of the wisest elves that yet in existence in Middle Earth that are still living in Middle Earth. Who do they think he was? They're like, you look like an elf, probably, almost definitely, he looks like an elf. Yeah, but he's a man looking in. Well, is what, he a man looking? Well, I'm sorry, in the Rings of Power, he's a man. He's well, not yeah, well, yeah. I've, I've given up my defense. You, okay, I were, we're, yeah. we're done. That was just the first five minutes, dude. That Sorry, was just man. For opening. I, you, you, you've opened a wound here, and I'm going <laughs> to have to like throw some cauterization uh, like, on it. <laughs> but, but, but Anatar, think about Anatar, since the Rings of Power was too stupid to do this. Think about Anatar and, and, and how he would appear. I mean, actually, going back to a game that I love to hate, which is uh, you know Shadow of Mordor and their mm -hmm. their games, they present him as a fairly believe in, in flashbacks and things and some you know spiritual looking scenes in the as as a as a a, um, a, a an elf of power and beauty and mm -hmm. which is what he but now think about this though Gilgalad and Elrond in the Kingdom of Linden they know there's something wrong with this guy but what do they think he is like. Okay, there's only a certain number of things. He's not a man. He looks like an elf. They they know all the elves of power. It's not like this is there's a there's millions of them in the world. So who do they think he is? Maybe a Maiar in form, in, in some other form, maybe, but maybe not. Yeah, yeah. you got to wonder like what was their theory, and they have a well, long time and, to think about it. And and I'm sure he had a hard time coming up with a really good reason of what he was to them. And so they're like, right. we're, we don't think it's a good idea for you. Yeah, to yeah. Any Our, closer. The, Build the wall. Build the wall. The border is closed. <laughs> no so do, you, border for us. so do you think that he's coming to them under a guise where they don't recognize him as Sauron? Or Absolutely. is it to the is it is it to the point where they go, 
even if it is Sauron, who cares? He's he's helping us and he's giving us all his knowledge and gifts. Maybe, maybe he's repentant. Um, is it is it they, they truly don't see him for who he is? They do not. Or does he, or, or does he just seem like he's a good guy now? Yeah, I, I I don't think they they see him for who he that he's Sauron. Um, well, they, they, it says, and though they knew not who in truth he was, they would not admit him to the land. So they, they well, that had... was uh, that was in Linden, but in Eregion, are they just going? Ah, you know, maybe he's a good guy now. Maybe he's turned a corner. I see. You're asking about Eregion. Okay. So I'm sorry. Yeah. It tells us the reason why they accepted him. It was kind of one of those things where, like, here's a gift giver. Should we be suspicious? We're all Noldor. We're not stupid. <laughs> yes, we should be suspicious of him. Our high king in the other kingdom, Linden, is suspicious of him. Won't even let him in his land. But here he is, and he has all this candy. Man, this candy <laughs> tastes good. And, what's, and, and what is candy to the Noldor? And I quote... <laughs> He's pulling there, up in the van without the windows. Yep, yep the white van. Yep. Kids get in the car. There's candy. Spray painted, except instead of candy, it's just this is free rings across spray, spray painted across the van. Um, therefore, this is the elves of of Eregion. Therefore, they hearkened to Sauron, and they learned of him many things, for his knowledge was great. In those days, the smiths of Ost and sorry, Ost in Ethiel. That's the city in the middle of Eregion. We actually get a shot of, uh, of that a number of times in Rings of Power. So the smiths of Ost in Ethiel uh, surpassed all that they had contrived before, and they took thought, and they made rings of power. So there it is. There's the sentence. Mm-hmm. When the rings of power are made, there it is, the elves of Eregion. But Sauron guided their labors, and he was aware of all that they did, for his desire was to set a bond upon the elves and to bring them under his vigilance. So, so they, what, what's the candy to the Noldor? It's this knowledge of how to craft rings of power, how to craft things of power and beauty. That's what's their, their, their weakness. And that's why the elves of Eregion, the Noldor, let's be clear. This is the Noldor, the highest of the elves in Middle Earth. Yeah. They fell to Sauron in the only, the only kingdom they had in Middle Earth. They fell to Sauron because of their, um, overweening desire for the for craft for creation of things of beauty and power so um very very fascinating and uh enlightening about the the weakness the achilles heel of elves so let me ask a question about like why is it that that is what is the achilles heel of elves is it because that that they are tied to the world, to the earth, to Middle Earth, to to the land that uh, Luvatar created, to the land that Luvatar created, uh, including the lightning behind Michael. Air. that was impressive. Uh, the thunder, um, and 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 so, you know, their desire to create beauty in the world is, you know, is it's. It, it, it is the thing that um, gives them purpose, right? It, it, like to create beauty that is world made is greater than finding um, peace in the direction of your life because it's got a limit to it, right? Is, is that is is that it? Is that I, I don't know. Does that make sense? Am I asking the right question here? That 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 is conveying my idea, my thought. I think it's a good question. Um, oh, I don't know what Dan's thought is. I, I have a, I have some thoughts, but. Um, I do think that is that's part you've put your finger on. I think one, a really important part of it, which is that the elves, all that they have, their entire nature, 
is encompassed within Arda. Mm-hmm. They, they have no fate outside of Arda until, and they, we're only given a hint of this once, or maybe twice, um, that their fate, there's a fate after the final battle at the end of time. But, uh, but until then, everything they are and everything that is exists within the bounds of Arda. So they have a connection with the land of Arda and a love of the things of beauty in Arda far beyond that of anyone else, which is why when an elf creates the most beautiful artifact ever made, or artifacts, three of them, the Silmarils, mm-hmm. we have to write a whole book about it because the Noldor go into a complete cycle of tragedy because of their their um, just their need, <laughs> desire and need to possess these things. And that is no doubt their Achilles heel. And we see this again in miniature, I think, with the rings of power. Yeah. Okay. In miniature or in, in, I don't know what that would be in like Cliff's notes in horror, the worst Cliff's notes possible. About it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. okay. So there's yeah. no mention in this chapter of uh, the elves all dying of some sickness and, the, the no. rings of power. Well, is what so keep and them so alive. here's the thing, right? And that goes to the three rings, right? Because they preserve, and so the three rings, well, uh, particularly Elrond's and Galadriel's, right? The preservation of their lands was tied to the rings, whereas Círdan gave uh, the ring of fire to Gandalf because it would, um, it it would, if, uh, I got, I don't have the, it, it highlighted here, but it would. Uh, it would help help inspire. him inspire the people. Thank you. Inspire the people, right? That's it, it brought inspiration to those who it interacted with, and maybe through Gandalf, right? That gave him a certain inspiration that he didn't have. Um, or it augmented what he already had. Yeah, it augmented what he already because, had. Because we know from um, his form as a lord in, in uh, Valinor that, he, that, he, that people came to him for inspiration of all kinds. Right, right. He was and, known to be wise back then. Yeah, and so... The elves, they know, I mean, the weariness of the world is on them, but this here preserves it. The the rings preserve just those areas that give them a taste of what, I guess, the, I don't even want to say it's Valinor because Valinor is still part of the world, but in the, um, in the, gives them a feel for what the world was like when it was young because of the weariness of the world is still on them. But where they are in Rivendell, in Lorien, the the world to them is still feels young maybe even though Lorien is, is is in its autumn uh, as Tolkien says but yes but I I would lean more into the Valinor I think they do look at Valinor as the height mm-hmm. they see it as the height the blessed lands as the height of what is but existing. Do, like but and this is the thing right some elves you see never this with left. the Palant with the Palantiri um, and, and what what Gilgalad does with one of the Palantiri and there's a great quote I had forgotten that there was an eighth stone there's a master stone that yeah. never s- sets foot on Middle Earth of the Palantiri but but it, but so so your elves are always looking to Valinor in the West as I mean so, it's yes, all they got okay, Jonathan it's all they got they, they have the world and that's the best part of the world I know so what do we do this is always the thing with me now so what do they do about the green elves what do they do? like why what what can they don't have a connection to Valinor Right, they were asked like they're 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 the elves. Green elves are just they're rubes. They're the MAGA elves, okay? They're they're, they're, <laughs> they're rubes. Yeah, they're, they're make Middle well, Earth great again, rubes. That's right. Uh, yeah, they they have their choice. They want to make Middle Earth great, but you know it's Middle Earth. Not, but so not so Valinor, this is the thing, so. right? This is why, like, I wonder, like, so their weariness of the world, it's not tied to Valinor. It's tied to the weariness of the world because they've never been there. 
So why would they have a yearning for a place to have a yearning for the sea? That's something that calls to them. But I think that's also asking... because the music of the the Ainur is in is closest to the sound of the waters. But okay, but let's so, let's go with that. Yeah, are okay. are you really asking why they have a yearning for the perfection that they've never seen? I would say for the same reason that we in our hearts have a yearning for a perfection we've never seen. We have a yearning for heaven, and mm-hmm. and and it, it, it's something we know. We know that perfection exists but we've never seen it on this earth. And so we're always striving for that ideal um, in, in what we what we desire. And I think the elves do too. It's just their ideal actually exists on the earth, although yeah. separated from it in Valinor. Hmm. Okay. Uh, this, is my, a, this is a much longer discussion about whether, like, um, how the Valar kidnapped the elves to Valinor was actually something that we that, that was a good thing in the end. Or what if, what if the elves would have just never have gone? Like, what would... Would then they happen? would never would have lived up to their potential. Hmm. Hmm. That's Why do you say take. that? Um, because their Valinor in the Blessed Realm has the perfection of all life, all the, the existing state of Arda in its, I mean, the Valar were sent down to yeah. perfect Arda, to, to continue crafting it and mm-hmm. make it as mm-hmm. great and beautiful a place as possible. They failed in every part except Valinor. And in Valinor, although there was there was a gap, of course, with the killing of the two trees, in Valinor, the it is paradise the exists. Realm. Sure, okay. Paradise exists yeah. on in Valinor. The elves are creatures of Arda. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Their perfection is to live in the place which so, is most perfected. So, so and I'm... and like them, by the way, they do not die. They do not. They, in other words, they, they there's no natural corruption from el for elves. So, so the place where they belong, says I, the place where they belong is Valinor. So your argument would be that um, since they are tied to the world and are, they're like what I mentioned before, their desire for perfection in the artistry of the world, right? That is, when you think about Feanor, we think about Celebrimbor, yeah. um, right? They, they would tie themselves to their art because they're part of the world, the art is part of the world, and so there's perfection there. And so the, the perfect art of the world of the world of the created world of arda is only found in valinor meaning mm-hmm. like it like because it was because, like feanor created the jewels the valar created valinor right and and it isn't an accident that feanor created the jewels and and i would say that's could a only, very good argument i buy it good job could only could <laughs> only create it in valinor so yeah some, okay some rules couldn't have been created mm-hmm. elsewhere anyway that's what i Dan's already checked out. He's like, yep. No, he's not checked out. He's yeah, thinking just, hard. Just, just explain that like I'm five and I'll get it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So it's candy. When you so take when you candy five, and you put well, it in I, no. I tried it with the candy explanation. But when you were, <laughs> but when you were five, the, 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 the greatest place in the world or one of them was the McDonald's play place where you got to go and do all, or, or Chuck E. Cheese mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. And this is the, the elves Chuck E. Cheese and the ball pit <laughs> is Valinor. <laughs> Valinor is like the biggest ball pit in the world for the kids. Uh-huh. You sound like a Rings of Power writer. <laughs> it's like Chuck E. Cheese. Valinor. It's where they go. Like, like Look, you know. I'm just giving Jonathan like 18 different possibilities yeah. for thumbnails for this episode. <laughs> yeah. the all of the animatronics always look up (laughs) (laughs) well done sir well done
Oh man, this is awesome. How's that well, going to go with your uh, your daughter's uh, thumbnail she's writing for us? If I call it the Val- Valinor, the Chuck E. Cheese of Middle Earth. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, let's let's get to so so yeah. Quick plug: um, my my daughter, who's back for the summer from college, is going to do a couple pieces, a few pieces of art for our um, following for the next uh, few podcasts. And the one she did for this, um, which you all will have seen because you clicked on it um, if on YouTube, unless you were actually doing it visually, assuming you weren't just doing the podcast, but is um, an image of the giving of the ring, uh, one of the rings of power to the men. So this is one of the kings of men who um, gazes upon. And I, one of the things I really love about her art in this particular case is um, there are a couple things, but one of them is that in um on his hand the ring of power is giving out that unearthly green glow associated um um it, it tolkien says corpse light which i thought jackson actually did well in um minas morgul i thought i thought that was actually not bad um he says minas morgul glows with a corpse light so the nazgul's light they have a light which is like an unlight it doesn't give off light or comfort but it it does illuminate to a certain extent so you can see things so that green glow from his ring of power which is corrupting him but notice the reflection of the ring of power in his eye. In his eye, it looks gold. To in the real world, hmm. it's it's it, it's green. And so he's he is. Um, and of course, you have the wraithifying effect um, yeah. that's that's beginning in him. Um, so hmm. so this is my so this is my daughter's piece of art to to signify. And there's going to be I won't spoil it, but there's going to be a contrasting image for next week's finish of the rings of power chapter similar to this one cool. but by contrast so anyway it's uh it, it there this giving of the rings of power we should probably read a little bit about that eh um well i mean it's there's two two paragraphs that it, it talks about it right uh, uh, yeah and like you said the three were made last and they were the most powerful other than the rings of uh, other the other than the one ring Right. Other than one so, ring. yeah, go ahead. So 19 rings of, of the greatest rings. They probably made a lot more, actually. And that's the other thing. Like, if I had made Rings of Power, uh, the, the show, one of the things I would have done is put a lot of effort into showing the buildup of the land of Eregion mm-hmm. and their craft and their building of the Rings of Power. And you would, and basically you would end up with like a factory production. There'd be like this, this was the thing that this realm does is create all kinds of items of power. And then the rings are the greatest of them. And then you would see the build up to the night, what ends up being 19 or 16. And then finally three um, uh, of the greatest of the rings. Um, Sauron doesn't, uh, doesn't have access to them because as soon as he puts on the one ring, which he forges in Mordor, um, the elves immediately perceive him, which pisses him off because he wanted to, um, and I quote myself in reading, uh, Tolkien to bring them under his vigilance. It's interesting because he's not seeking by, he, Sauron doesn't actually, isn't under the illusion that the elves are going to be able to be dominated by him. The elves are a little too different, um, but he does want to be able to watch over them and probably influence them through the rings. But it doesn't work. As soon as he puts on the one ring, they all perceive. So you've got to imagine there were like 16 elven lords that had these greatest, 16 greatest um, rings that Sauron eventually um, destroyed Eregion to get back, to get or to acquire. I shouldn't say get back. 
Um, so there could be some cool battle scenes with elves with what would eventually end up being the nine men, rings of men and the seven rings of the dwarves. They were on elven hands before this, um, which is a yeah. very cool plot point. They, you know, and, and doesn't Gandalf say in uh, Fellowship, doesn't he say there are many powerful rings and none of them are to be trifled with? Or is that just a movie thing I'm thinking about? There are many powerful rings in the world. And Oh, that's a great that question. Is, that is in the movie. I don't know if it's in the book. Yeah, that's a great question about whether it's in the book. Uh, I'm going to try bring... and find that real yeah. fast. Because what you do is like, well, we're practicing with these other sort of much less powerful rings that, that have certain things imbued into them, you know, whether it's like, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, the ability to uh, improve your 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 gardening, right? Like your garden grows a little right. bit greener or, or right. the water boils a little bit fat, like things like that, where it's just well, like we're trying these things. The ability to walk on snow. <laughs> Stop it! <laughs> yeah, if we were making the movie again, you would see Legolas running off, and on his hand, you would see like this glow of a ring. <laughs> Legolas has one of the old rings of a Regian. Yeah, that's exactly right. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. One thing, um, one thing that struck me when I was reading this, and, and the only reason I, I maybe this is my frame of mind when I'm reading Tolkien, is that he has a name for everything that's important, and and it's made important by the giving of a name. And when he talks about the nine men that took the rings, they don't have names. They're yeah. just no names. They, mm. It's like they lose. It's like they lose their identity and they just become the Nazgul. Exactly. That's all, that's all they exactly. are now. And, and it's, since it's our, very interesting to me. And since our thumbnail is about one of them, and Dan made it, it makes an excellent point about them. Let's uh, let's read about that. Men proved easier to ensnare. So this is after Sauron has gone to war with the Regian, laid waste to the land, claimed the 16 greatest rings back, except for the three made last. So he has 16 of the greatest rings of power. Those who used the nine rings became mighty in their day, kings, sorcerers, and warriors of old. They obtained glory and great wealth, yet it turned to their undoing. They had, as it seemed, unending life. Yet life became unendurable to them. They could walk, if they would, unseen by all eyes in this world beneath the sun, and they could see things in the world invisible to mortal men. And so it goes on from there um, and, and to, into my favorite sentence about the Nazgul. And they became forever invisible, save to him that wore the ruling ring. And they entered into the realm of shadows. The Nazgul they were, the ringwraiths, the enemy's most terrible servants. Darkness went with them, and they cried with the voices of death. Mm. So, as I, by the way, that's just beautiful prose right there, mm -hmm. the, the, the description of the ring race. The Nazgul they were, the ring race, the enemy's most terrible servants. Darkness went with them, and they cried with the voices of death. I love that the, they cried with the voices of death because uh, you don't have to. They cried shrilly with a high piercing. Right? No, no, no. They cried with the voices of death, and to, that could mean many things to many people, but... It's ominous. It's terrifying, and uh, and and it's nameless. It, the namelessness, as Dan rightly points out, the namelessness works perfectly because they became nothing but extensions of Sauron's will by putting on the nine rings. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So and it's me... interesting too with the, with the nine rings that he gives to men. It's the thing that they've wanted for this entire book of the Cimmerillion. The the men come over the mountains and they're like, where where's the light? And where, where do we go to live forever? We don't want to die. And Sauron's able oh, to give great, them rings and says, right. here you go. Here, here's a ring. You'll live forever. And they go, oh, 
that's what I wanted. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it's like this unending death. They're just, they're just living forever in this state of like horrible, horrible agony. Yeah. It's just yeah. really interesting. So cool. So, I mean, tragic, but that's great. That's good catch and uh perfect in, in, in Sauron's a perfect use. Now the dwarves don't fall so easily. So Sauron gives seven of those great 16 rings that he's able to capture from the elves of Regan to the dwarves and the dwarves don't, it doesn't go as planned. Um, doesn't mean that they do well with them, like the elves with their three. But uh, yeah, you were going to say something, Jonathan? Oh well, uh, well let me, before you get to the dwarves, I want to talk about the three a little bit because um, the three uh, Tolkien writes that they were forged by Celebrimbor alone, and the hand of Sauron never touched them. Yet they were also subject to the one. They were subject to the one, but they were worn by the by by Gandalf and and Círdan, by Elrond and by Galadriel. What does that mean they were subject to the one? Because they weren't ensnared by the one like the other rings were. Um, nor, nor could he see them. Nor could he see them, but they were subject to it. And I don't, I, I don't know what that means in here. Whether, uh, well, you know what it means, I guess. Here's the way. Is like once the one ring was destroyed, they lost their power. Exactly. That's yeah. what I was about to say. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're subject in the sense that somehow the knowledge that Sauron gives, remember, it's the knowledge of, of mm-hmm. the ring craft that that's ensnares the elves of Eregion. Yeah. The knowledge that he gives of how to craft the rings of power, but Sauron guided their labors. So that guidance somehow had his sorcery in them. Yeah. It, so that, so that when he they coaxed were created... his sorcery into the rings. Every time I'm going to use that. I, I just wow. can't tell. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, 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 sorry. It's sorry. so bad. So, so, so did... But yes, yes. So some, something, some part of him still like the... When either he was destroyed or the ring was destroyed. I mean, do they say the ring? Is it, is it written specifically that they lost their power because the wing, ring was destroyed or because Sauron? Maybe the Sauron yeah, and the ring are tied do. together. It does, it does say that. Um, okay. I, I don't have the quote in front yeah, of me. Yeah, yeah, but it says, it says like with the loss, they say um, in the after the, that with the loss of the one ring, the power, the power of the, the power three of the is gone. Okay. Um, okay. And the, elf, the, you know, the elves are waning. Okay, well, let's let's move on then to the dwarves because I love what he says about the dwarves because the dwarves they just live up to their stubbornness, even with these rings. Yep. So seven rings he gave to the dwarves. Dot dot dot. I'm going to skip the part about the men. <laughs> the dwarves indeed prove tough and hard to tame. They ill endure the domination of others, and the thoughts of their hearts are hard to fathom. Nor can they be turned to shadows. So fascinating insight. They use their rings only for the getting of wealth. <laughs> but re- <laughs> it's like we care literally about nothing else. Long life doesn't matter. Yep. We just want wealth. Just want. Just we want the bling, another, man. Yeah. Give me the bling. <laughs> but but wrath and an overmastering greed of gold were kindled in their hearts, of which evil uh-huh. enough after came to the prophet of Sauron. So it didn't work the way he had hoped, but it did bring about the downfall of the dwarves. And I think this points to what Dan said is like the, the, what men wanted, they got with their rings, what dwarves wanted, they got with their rings, right? They wanted more wealth. That was their heart's desire. And for men, their heart's desire was to have eternal life, to live forever. And they, it, it, it met both of them, right? It met their goals. And I believe if I remember correctly, Sauron even uses this. Oh, I'm going to read the next sentence and then I'll say it. It is said that the foundation of each of the seven hordes, that's capital S, capital H, seven hordes of the dwarf kings of old was a golden ring. But all those hordes long ago were plundered and the dragons devoured them. And of the seven rings, some were consumed in fire and some Sauron recovered. So all the dwarven rings were lost. And I believe, and I hope that I'm not remembering 
an unfinished tales thing, but I believe um, that uh, Gloin at the Council of Elrond says that when the messengers came from Mordor asking about hobbits and asking where the Shire was, essentially where Baggins was, they offered at least one of the dwarven rings back to the dwarves if they would help Sauron in this. Mm -hmm. um, and so, so Sauron has some of them anyway, and others were consumed by dragons. Um, and uh, there you go. That's the dwarves for you. So fascinating. No, the thoughts of their hearts are hard to fathom, nor can they be turned to shadows. Just, dwarves like, are like this, solid. Like, just, yeah. There's no shadow. Like you can't. You you have to you have to smash them like the dragons did. You can't actually you know entice them away from what they really want. It, it's. Uh, I just love that. Like all, he wanted to control them. They're like, nope, gold. <laughs> like, nope. That's, I'm sorry. Like that's great. Doesn't nope matter. Gold. Right. So yeah. You know what. Um, I see your mouth moving, but all I hear is blah, 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 gold, blah, 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 gold, <laughs> gold blah, gold. blah, blah. <laughs> right. It's pretty. Where can I get more? That's it. Yeah. Oh, Sauron wants to control me. No, gold. Right. That, that's, <laughs> that's all there is. That's all there is. Hey, I, I feel like we were going to go further this week into um, in, into more about uh, the, the, the Numenorians and things like that. But I think this is a good place to stop it, or yep. like to just stop with the Rings of Power because that's such a big deal. And I think maybe we'll split this into three parts. Who knows? But there's a lot to talk about. It covers, like you said, we said earlier, it covers so much that um, that 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 stop it, that, that ending with these Rings of Power is a great place to sort of like put a, t a tie in it, put a bow in it, put a bow on it, like tie it, it up, yeah. whatever. I'm mixing all my metaphors as usual. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, it's uh, it's it's an, any other final thoughts on maybe about these rings of power, not the other rings of power. <laughs> well, I, I've I've always loved the idea I mean, since I was a kid and I first read the Silmarillion when I was a teenager. Um, I I loved the idea of visiting the city of Austin and feel the, the the capital city of Aragian. Yeah. Like, what would it have been like to walk the streets and there's just these Noldorine shops and craft, you know, smithies and jewelry, you know, like they they were just the most amazing craft. And they had knowledge and help from the dwarves of Khazad-dûm um, um, next door, not quite as next door as the Rings of Power shows it, but, but you know, in the land mm -hmm. next to them. And it was, it would have been just a wonder. I mean, there's again tolkien's craft in building the lands is is and fire is the imagination hmm. yeah i always thought it was interesting that tolkien chose a ring to be like the symbol or to be this um what would be the right word it, it's 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 like a an object that's imbued with great power or some kind of spellcraft and i i think he's from my understanding he's pulling from other uh, uh myths uh, that that include rings as part of the mythos, and uh, I, I I know he has a translation of Beowulf, and I just read Beowulf uh, recently, and one thing that stuck out to me when I was reading it was that when the kings are described as good kings, it's that they are givers of gifts, and there's always rings involved, and I thought that yep. was really interesting. Yep. Um, I don't know if that's a connection that Tolkien had in his mind when he was writing this, but that's really interesting to me. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, his love of uh, the Nordic peoples of the, the various Nordic peoples and their mythologies informs a lot of the, the background to to uh, Middle Earth and uh, rings are no are no small part of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
I just wanted to bring up this is the image of Austin Ethel in Rings of Power, which, which I like this image. Like this was a this is one of those moments of like actually cool. This is yeah. this it, again though it just <clears throat> it just suffers from the idea like like we've got this great wide angle, but anything up close you had no idea what, what the city was like. Like you didn't experience the city no. at all. You got postcards no. and you got uh, rooms. <laughs> Right. You got to look out the window and see the furnace be built in like one episode. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. We, well, what you got was community theater perspective. You got like mm-hmm. the shot from inside a small room, unnaturally right. lit room with, with weird colors. And right. you got the out the window. You can see this one thing like Dan or, was saying. Or, and, or you, get, you, got, you got the video game loading screen right here. And then when you get into it, right, it's like, oh, well, the computer's not strong enough to process far beyond these, uh, these, this, this dungeon that we're crawling right now. And, right. Uh, and that's all and, got. And so then you get the natural progression and then you get the Golem game. It's like, yeah. it's all this natural uh, devolution. Let's stop. I, I won't even bring that up anymore. It's not even worth joking about it's that bad. I mean, if I had to put the Rings of Power and Gollum, I like I would rather totally watch the Rings of Power than play Gollum, honestly. Like, there's... Gollum, it's so boring Ooh. it's like it, it is it's it's i don't know it's it's digging a, a muddy ditch that keeps filling in all the time it just it was so bad so bad okay anyway i'm not gonna get into that some all right lovely, so, some lovely muck some lovely muck. <laughs> lovely muck no nothing lovely about it at all <laughs> whatsoever so we're gonna jump into our extended podcast right now we're gonna go into um is that an what is a what it's a what some, some lovely stuff down here yeah yeah was that from Monty Python. Uh, Monty Python. Holy Grail. Oh, Holy Grail. Dennis. Dennis, the constitutional peasant. Oh, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe I can uh, find that clip and throw it in right here. But that I would take it. too much it's time. Such a great scene. I love it. All right. So we're going to jump into our uh, extended podcast, which, of course, as usual, you can get by becoming a member at thewondering.com slash member. And uh, we're going to be talking about uh, why is the Halbrand Galadriel relationship such a bad idea? Mm. Why is it such an issue? Uh, even though Michael defended it in the beginning. Oh, wait. I did no. not. I did not. <laughs> Lies. Calumny. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I'm trying to get a couple questions from our Discord members in uh, in chat. So uh, we'll see if we get those in time. And then also, uh, wh- we can talk a little bit more about why are men so easily swayed? I mean, why we, we talked about why can't dwarves be turned to shadows because nope, gold. Uh um, but why, and also why did the elves welcome the council of Sauron? So like, we can dive into that a little bit more. Let's talk about that. Uh, if you liked our podcast, please give us a review on Apple podcasts, on Google podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you go to do it. We would really appreciate it. And, um, and yeah, become a member, join us. And, uh, and, and I'm going to have some merch shipped to me in the next week or so that I'm a man. I hope it comes into the next podcast. Cause I, It'll he be a lot of fun. I do. They finally, so there was a bug freaking in Teespring that they were like, oh, yeah, you can't make hats. They were like, well, oh. so we're sorry. We'll let you know in four days. And they did, and they finally fixed it, and I could finally order a hat, so it's on the way. Yes, the old Toby. That's a good hat. I need to create something like that, too. So anyway, we'll do that. But let's jump into our extended podcast. We'll leave everybody else behind, and uh, we'll see you next week on Exploring Tolkien. Bye, freeloaders.